Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Hiring and Retaining a High Impact Team, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Nicole Lear is the Principal Senior HR Consultant for Mindful HR Consulting located in the South Bay of Los Angeles. She specializes in working with small to mid-sized businesses in all industries, partnering directly with owners to build their HR infrastructures and to refine their practices so that they can operate confidently and boldly, knowing their HR function is solid. Nicole has spent her 24-year HR career in the corporate world, working for major corporations as HR director and area director across the United States. It was her work with hotel transitions, handling openings, acquisitions, and divestitures that helped her realize her passion for partnering with leaders to build something new. Discovering consulting in 2016, she realized she could partner with, coach, and develop a broader audience by working as a consultant. In February of 2020, she decided to follow her passion full-time, forming Mindful HR, and now focuses on working with entrepreneurs and building their businesses. In her free time, Nicole is an avid runner. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Glad to be here today. Good. I know it's an important topic that we will be discussing, uh, but before we get to the actual meat of the interview, I would love for you to start with just telling us a little bit more about how you got started in human resources. Yeah. So, you know, I was in college and I was working in my part-time job and I knew I wanted to work in business and I actually got downsized and moved to the HR department when I was into my job about six months, and I really loved how HR 
partnered with the business and the effect that they had on the business. And so that's what I pursued in school. And, uh, you know, two days after I graduated from college, I joined Hyatt Hotels Corporation, and I stayed with that employer for 20 years. They moved me all over the country. They brought me here to Los Angeles 17 years ago. And, uh, yeah, I had an opportunity then to join another major company, Hilton Hotels, and I opened the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills. And uh, it was after doing that last opening that I thought, you know what, I really want to full-time consult because I can really follow my passion and do these transitions uh, more frequently. Mm-hmm. And today's topic, again, we're going to be talking about this sexual harassment training that's required for employers. Um, but I wanted to make sure we started with the actual definition of sexual harassment. So can you explain to the listeners what that really means? Absolutely. So the legal definition, um, it's creating a intimidating or hostile environment that's offensive to the reasonable person, that interferes with people's ability to do their work, um, because you really have a couple different definitions, but it's got to be unwelcome conduct, um, and, then, and then there's many different kinds, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. There is quid, abusive conduct and quid pro quo are really the two that we're talking about. Okay, and can you give a brief definition, again, for someone who might be listening but doesn't understand, what do those two differences fall under? Absolutely. So when we're talking about quid pro quo, that's the typical sexual harassment that we've heard about forever and that people know of, and that's the this for that. And so what that means is you're an employer and you have an employee and you say, you do this for me and I'm going to give you this. You're going to get that promotion. You, do th- you don't do this for me, I'm going to fire you. And so mm-hmm. that's the stuff that people know about right? Mm -hmm. The other part of it is hostile work environment or abusive conduct. And that has been growing more and more over time. And as as we evolve, uh, we understand that it's far more than just the sexual harassment part of it. A hostile work environment is something that is intimidating and offensive and interferes with the ability of a person to do their job. And Mm -hmm. both are equally as defensive and they're illegal. Right. And a lot of people just aren't aware of really uh, that there is more than one. It's not just sexual harassment per se. Like you said, there is like this whole hostile environment. But we do want to really touch on the requirement for California employers as well to have the sexual harassment training. So we will focus on that a bit. But um, we can also, after we focus on that, get into some of the other things too if we have the chance. Um, but I wanted to start with, too, why do employers even need to do this training? So the reason they need to do them, there's reasons beyond the law, but there was two things enacted in the state of California. So back in 2005, it was AB 1825 that first established that employers needed to conduct harassment prevention training. And it's not just harassment prevention, it's abusive work environment. And Mm -hmm. since that time, it's only been required for companies that have 50 or more employees to conduct this training. And it was only for supervisors. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until they enacted SB 1343 in 2019 where they created the broader audience that you now have to train your entire team. So your managers are required to have this two hours of training and your hourly employees are required to have one hour of training. And when they first created this, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing wasn't very clear on how they rolled it out. So the original deadline was January 1st of 19. And they have Mm -hmm. extended it. And the new deadline now is January 1st of 2021. 
So employers are in a position right now where they need to make sure that they have taken care of what they need to take care of with their training. Right. And I think that's why one of the reasons why I reached out to you to have this episode, too, is because that deadline did pass. Like I remember last year, too, we were I was telling people, you know, make sure you do it by January 1st, 2020. And then it got extended to 2021. And I think now with everything happening with COVID and so much happening now, it's kind of gone to the back of their minds. And now we are in November. So there's a very short time left to get this done. So that's why I think it's so important to really talk about this today to educate those employers so they know what they need to do to be in compliance. So you you started to touch on it. it used to be 50. I don't know if if you actually said how many employees they have to have um, to meet that requirement. But if um, not, can you just touch on that again is employers of how many yes now it's five you have five Mm -hmm. or more employees and you're required to conduct this training for your entire team Mm -hmm. right and who then is actually the one to do the training is it you know the boss can do it or do they have to find someone who is educated in this area yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because it can be for confusing for people. And the law is actually very specific about who's allowed to do this training. Mm-hmm. So you can be an attorney that has an employment law practice and you have to be um, have passed the bar for two years at least. You can be an HR professional that has worked in this space for at least two years, conducting investigations, creating training, working with workforces, um, doing these investigations, or you could be a law professor or instructor in this state that has um, been practicing for two years. And so Mm -hmm. those are the only three groups that are allowed to to put this training on. Right. And I think that's important for people to realize, too, is it does have to be someone that's a human resource professional or, like you said, a teacher or something, too. It's not like, I'm going to get my team together and I'm just going to do this, you know, course for them and I'm going to meet the requirements. Absolutely. Yeah, the law is very specific. And they've, they've done some things this year to work with our COVID situation that are not mm-hmm. ideal. I don't know if you want me to go into that now. Sure, but, um, they, sure. Yeah, so the, the states made some modifications. So what the requirement says, the requirement that we have all been working under is that training must be in person and it must be interactive. So mm-hmm. someone can't go read a book, they can't read a PowerPoint on their own and just say that the training suffices. It has to be interactive. And so the gold standard is to do it in person, right? Well, you right. know what? We're not all working in person these days, are we? Everything is happening via Zoom. So Zoom training is, is acceptable as well. Um, but the state has also created some online training that they said will suffice for now so that more people can reach their teams. And what they've done is they have embedded quizzes that um, employees would have to pass to go through that training. But while that will meet your requirement, what it doesn't do is it doesn't add the human connection of getting to employees to understand what's okay and not okay and how to mm-hmm. use the system if they have an issue. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, there will be times where this does have to be repeated, which I probably can have you, you know, explain that as well. But at least for now, they would get that minimum requirement in. And that's, you know, like I said, the main thing we want is people to be compliant. Obviously, we want the employees to understand all of these, you know, different ramifications. But at least for now, work with what you have. If you can't have a meeting together, you know, to at least get them some of the training um, that will help them understand really what's happening. Um, So I would love you to touch on that, though, too, is how often does this training really need to be conducted? 
Sure. So the training is required every two years. So for our managers, again, it's two hours. And our hourly employees, it's one hour every two years. One of the important things to note is that for your managers, you need to train them within the first 90 days of their employment on their harassment prevention because they're defending you as the employer. And then the law sees your managers as the employer, not just you. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So I would love for you to answer the question then, because I bet there are some people thinking, well, you know, my employee was trained when they worked at someone else. and Now they came to me and, you know, they had their training six months ago. Do I need to do a training for them again? You do, because they work for you now. And so if there's an incident that happens, it happens on your property, under your watch, and you bear all the liability. And one of the biggest things about the training is you are going to personally teach your employees how to use the process you've established to report harassment so you can take action. Mm -hmm. Right. So even if someone has just recently had it, go ahead and schedule it for them again. They might not like having to go through it again because it's probably not, you know, (laughs) something they really (laughs) prefer having to do. But again, just to be in compliance, at least to make sure that they're following, like I said, your own policies. Obviously, you have to follow state guidelines as well, but you might have some things within your own company that might be different than another company. So having them really understand the policies is important as well. It's key, yes. Mm-hmm. So I know you were touching on this in terms of, you know, can it be done in person or, you know, now that they've made these, you know, adjustments to be online, but what if they do want to have it a socially distant in person, you know, is that something that they're saying you still can do or with California shut down as it is right now, is it really a preferred that everything is done online? You know, you can do socially distanced training uh, in the workplace and, and it can be effective You know, I've worked with many employers now where we have had employees dial in from home because they're working from home. We'll do it Zoom. And Mm -hmm. I can see everybody. They can ask me questions. They can be in the work site in different offices. Um, You can have a large room where you're spacing people out. It all meets the requirements. What's what's even better about that than the online training, again, is because they get to ask questions. They get to make sure they understand what they're being told. Right. And I think that's important, too, because, I mean, a lot of people, too, thinking about, oh, going back into this setting where I have to listen and learn. And it's kind of, you know, sometimes hard to get everything just in that one, like, here's your meeting, here's everything at one time. So it actually allows them to really kind of process through all the information, too. And like you said, be able to ask questions if they have some questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Interactive is more fun as well. You did touch on it might not be the most exciting training, but it's right. important and informative. And there are things that you can you can do to make it more fun. The more interactive, the more people participate, the more people can get out of it. Right. Well, and people might be thinking too, well, we're all working socially distant now, right? You know, or we're all mm-hmm. working from home. So we're not even interacting. So is it really mandatory now because they're not really in the same room and there's the probability of having any harassment is pretty small? Well, you know what? Unfortunately, that just isn't the case because there's so many different ways harassment can take place. It's mm-hmm. not just physical and it's not just in person. I mean, it can be verbal, it can be visual, it could be um, unwelcomed, repeated requests for dates. I mean, all these things can happen remotely. And with everybody having a smartphone, a device, a computer, 
emails can fly back and forth and texts can fly back and forth that are inappropriate in nature, and that violates right. the company's harassment policy. Right. And I think that's important to touch on, though, too, is it isn't just face-to-face interactions. It is, like you said, it could be emails or now with people working remotely, too, a lot of companies have, like, the chat features, you know, through the company or, like you said, just some people use text message now. So realizing it's not just that face-to-face interaction, but it is any type of interaction that's unwelcome. Yes. (laughs) So it's a lot for people to really understand, like, all of these implications of of happening. So uh, last question, probably, um, before we go to a break, though, I would love you to talk about what are the ramifications for not completing this training? If they don't hit this guideline, what are the penalties that they might face? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they actually institute. What the, the regulations say is that the um, Department of Fair Employment and Housing can force an employer to conduct the training. So I'd like to see how they put that into place. Um, there can be uh, penalties and fines that take place. Um, but the bigger thing about not doing the training is your employees don't get the benefit of the knowledge that they have about what's okay and not okay. And it mm-hmm. just subjects you to more liability if you don't do the training. Right. And it's so important just for, I think, everyone to just really feel like part of the team and welcome and, you know, they know what the rules are and they're going to be able to all be on the same page and know that everyone knows what the rules are so they don't have to feel uncomfortable and then know what to do if something is happening and they feel like, oh, I need to, you know, bring to my supervisor's attention that this is happening. And it may not even have meant to come across that way, but then it's an open line of communication as well. Retention of the harasser. It's by the person that is the recipient of it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so important. Well, we actually are at our first break time. So when we come back, we'll continue to chat with Nicole about sexual harassment training. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. 
How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Nicole Lear told us about her background and how she got into assisting businesses with their HR needs. Now, let's continue our discussion about the mandatory sexual harassment training. So, Nicole, before we left, you know, we were talking about the training, the due dates, who has to be trained and and who can actually do the training. Um, But let's talk about what are some of the common things that people may forget when conducting the training? So a lot of times people will get so focused on the state's regulation of training and going over statistics and stats that they forget that harassment is a violation of their own company policy. Mm-hmm. Everybody has got an employee handbook, and it's got a harassment policy in it. And that's one of the things that, that people need to remember is that we're complying with our own company policy, not just what the state tells us to do. Mm-hmm. The other thing that employers really should focus on and not lose sight of is the concept of treating everybody with dignity and respect. If you have that as a baseline within your culture of your organization, these things really stand out as really inappropriate behavior because a lot Mm -hmm. of times what we're doing in this, it's awareness training, right? So you're bringing to people's attention what's okay and what's not okay. And some people unfortunately need to be told what's not okay. But again, if Mm -hmm. you have that basis of respect and treating others with dignity, these things don't happen. Right. Yeah, it's so true. Like I said, it's kind of sad that you have to spell out sometimes for people what really is allowed and not allowed. But that's an important task. And you did mention saying like people have their handbook and harassment policies. Um, Hopefully they have a handbook too. And if someone doesn't, that's something they really need to focus on as well, because that should be in every company, no matter, you know, one employee or a hundred employees or a thousand employees, you should at least have a handbook and follow, you know, those policies. Um, But when we were talking a little bit earlier, you did talk, you know, there are different types of harassment, you know, and we talked about the sexual harassment. We have, you know, the, you know, difficult work environments and things. But do you want to expand a little bit more on any of those definitions to really help someone understand what harassment really is? Absolutely. So I'll go into the two different types of harassment, uh, the two major definitions, right? And so we have harassment and we have hostile work environment. And 
Harassment, again, is the um, you can harass someone by any way they're different. Under the legal definition of harassment, you can harass someone over their religious background, their sexual orientation, if they're male or female, um, their creed, anything that's dif- different about you and I, you could harass someone about. And mm-hmm. then on the other side of the coin, you have the hostile work environment. And that mm-hmm. is where people make the working environment so uncomfortable that it becomes illegal. Um, it's mm-hmm. when it's unwelcome, it's severe, it's frequent. Um, it can be screaming and yelling, verbal abuse, insults, um, making someone look incompetent. Incompetent. It can be mm-hmm. gossip or what we call cafeteria talk. You know, when you're you're in the the lunchroom and you're gossiping about your coworkers, that's creating a hostile work environment, and that's illegal as well. Mm-hmm. And so, if I can give you some some examples, um, this is a great show. So I and it's scripted, so I'm not speaking poorly of them, but it gives you an example. If anybody's seen Top Chef and Gordon Ramsay on that show, he runs around mm-hmm. the kitchen screaming and yelling. That's a hostile work environment, and that's illegal. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what this training is. It's not just sexual harassment training. It's preventing an abusive work environment as well. And so mm-hmm. those kinds of shows almost glorify um, that kind of behavior, but it's not okay. And California really leads the charge in the country in terms of having specific state laws that prevent this type of behavior in the workplace where you have federal uh, laws and statutes that cover the rest of the country. We've got two specific um, state statutes that cover it for us. Right. And like I said, it's very important. Again, I just wanted to really make sure people really understood this concept, even though we're talking again about the sexual harassment training that's required too. And we don't want to just say it's only sexual harassment. We want to make sure you knew hostile workplace, what that really entails and all the different things that are behind that. So thank you for covering that as well. I really appreciate um, what's happening uh, uh, in this discussion. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. So, so then what should an employee do, though, if they really feel like they are being harassed or un- they're uncomfortable at work because of a situation with someone? You know, the first thing that they should do if they're comfortable is tell the person to stop. Mm-hmm. And then you need to go report it to your manager or human resources. Go to somebody that you trust that you know that's going to take action about it. But if you don't feel comfortable about it, you don't have to say a word to that person, but you do have to report it. You need to go and and tell someone right away, because if you think about it, no problem ever got better by letting time pass or not Mm -hmm. doing something about a situation. Generally, what happens if people don't take action, it escalates. It gets worse. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So is there, I mean, are you recommending then that a business owner has like, some place where they can fill out a slip of paper or do you say, come to my office and have a discussion with me? Like, what would you tell someone? First of all, tell the employer what they should have in place in case something is going on that the employee can report it. But then what would you also tell the employee about how to go about reporting that? Yeah. So part of their harassment training, what they should have in place is what the reporting procedure is and how it works. And so you would train in that class. The first hour of the class, a lot of times because I do combination classes with everybody at the Mm -hmm. beginning, the first hour is the hourly topics. And then the second hour, our hourly team is dismissed and the managers stay and we go over what their responsibility is as manager. And so Mm -hmm. for employees, it's making sure you've got a clear reporting procedure for them and that you post it and you talk about it often. And what Mm -hmm. I always do as well is I make sure that the company owner 
or the executive director or whoever the on-site person is, is present in that training to add the credibility and that they stand behind it. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that employees worry about is if they go to their supervisor, their supervisor might not do anything. If they go mm-hmm. to their manager, what if their manager doesn't do anything? They don't necessarily always trust that someone will do the right thing with their concerns. So if there is an HR department, I say go see the HR person. Tell mm-hmm. your manager, tell your supervisor, because that's what you do when you have a relationship, if you're comfortable to do that. But go tell HR, because, again, one of the things is the company is responsible of the conduct of their supervisors and managers. And so if that mm-hmm. manager doesn't do anything with the information from the employee, the company's going to be liable if something happens, right? right. So tell mm-hmm. HR. And uh, you can certainly have a drop box that you keep outside the HR office where people can turn in um, anonymous concerns, but it's difficult to conduct an investigation if you don't know who's been hurt, right? right. And mm-hmm. so what we want people to do is to know and trust that we will take care of them as their employer. And, you know, part of the training is that, you will not be retaliated against for bringing up something that's going on in this organization that's wrong, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we make sure important. that that's shared. But communicating what the process to employees is so that they use it and feel comfortable using it is the first step. Right. And for some of the companies, because we have a lot of companies that are listening to our show that are smaller, they don't have an HR department. It might be one owner, it might be an owner and a supervisor or something. What would you tell them in terms of the process? You know, I would tell the owners to establish what I call an open door policy in your company that Mm -hmm. an employee can come to you for anything. So maybe you have several layers of managers and supervisors working for you, but you want to make sure there's a direct line of communication that employees feel comfortable going to that owner. And I would have the process be that you're going to tell the owner if something comes up, because when you're in a small business, it is so crucial to know what's going on and be able to handle it quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's so true. So then I would love you to touch on, you know, some employers might say, well, why should I care if my employees are being harassed? I mean, a lot of times it's just in jest. People might be joking around, you know, so can you answer that question? Absolutely. So there's so many reasons why you should care about it. One is you want to keep the employees you have. And Mm -hmm. if they're uncomfortable, they're not going to want to stay. If you don't do something about it when they, when, when they tell you about it, they're not going to trust you. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one statistic as I go through this. Um, some of the biggest things that we're seeing in the workplaces now are harassment against our LGBT community. And if you look at a recent survey that I was able to, to read, 56% of the LGBT community employees that responded to this said that they report being repeatedly mistreated in the workplace. And of that 56% that reported that, 41% of them, quote, state they've left a job because they were mistreated in the workplace and nobody did anything about it. And those are really scary statistics. Finding good Mm -hmm. talent is difficult. And so treating, letting your good talent be treated poorly, is it's just not something you want to do. I mean, that's just from the human side and thinking about your employer, but you've got a reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. And things like that get out that that's the kind of employer that you are. And it, it, it sullies your reputation. You might lose business because of things like that. Not to right. mention the cases that become litigated and end up in court. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
if you compare some of the course, the cases that go to court, sexual harassment lawsuits, generally, the payouts are, are much higher. When you look at, you know, I'm going to read you a couple of older stats. Um, they're from 2018. But, you know, age discrimination and disability discrimination cases that became litigated were settling at about a million dollars. A race mm-hmm. and national origin discrimination case, they're settling about $4 million in average that year. And a sex discrimination case was settling at about $185 million that year. Wow. So <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> the magnitude of what can happen if it even goes to court is huge. Um, right. So there's a lot of different reasons for them to care. Yeah. Right. Well, not even that side of it. I mean, even just from the side of when you lose someone who's been working in your company and you have to go through the hiring process and the training process. I mean, that's just costly as well. Your time, your resources. And again, you want to be the best employer you can. Right. So no matter what, you know, that really should be your focus. But there are a lot of things that would make it an issue. Like, yes, you should be intervening because there's stuff, but not just because, you know, you want to save your employee, but because, like you said, it's the right thing to do. But it's, you know, they should definitely be be, um, considering that. So, again, I know we have talked about the different types. Um, You had said, you know, there's age discrimination. There's, you know, national origin discrimination. There's so many different things uh, to be careful uh, regarding and again there's a lot of times people are thinking it's just funny to tell a little joke or something but even those can be harassment so just being careful of you know what is happening around the lunchroom or you know like you said the gossip or whatever is happening just really making sure that everyone knows what they should or shouldn't be doing in the office so no one is feeling uncomfortable yeah and you know you touched on intention before um, and, and an individual's intention when they make a comment isn't taken into consideration later. If they harass somebody, they harass somebody. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we've seen come up this year, and again, it's not intentional, people are trying to protect themselves, but we have people that are experiencing, um, they're, they're, be, they're becoming sick. They're getting COVID, mm-hmm. right? And they mm-hmm. do some work, and then they're out. And when they come back to work, this has happened in several employers, um, there's gossip about it and the mm-hmm. person feels ostracized and left out and that can turn into a hostile work environment as well. Everybody's whispering about the person. Nobody wants to go around them. Everybody's talking about it. And, uh, you know, it needs to be treated delicately. People, again, they don't know what they don't know. So you train your team. Listen, we're going to have people that come in and out of here. You don't know if they have COVID or not. They could be quarantining. Right. They could have a cold. Mm-hmm. We're going to be good people and do our job, and we're not going to engage in that kind of conversation because it doesn't lead you anywhere positive. Right. Exactly. Well, and I have a question going back to the actual sexual harassment training. And once, you know, the employees have had their training for that hour or the two hours, um, are there certifications that every employee will have to prove, you know, that they have gone through this and like if the state comes in and does some type of audit that they can, the employer can actually prove that everyone has gone through that training? Well, that's a good point. I'm really glad you brought that up. You've got to document that you trained your employees, and there's several different ways to do it. And one of the nicer ways that makes it more celebratory is, you know, you have everybody sign that sign-in sheet when you come to training or you, you know, email it around because you're all on Zoom. But create mm-hmm. a certificate so it's a celebration that you've accomplished something. You've completed your training. You're knowledgeable in this area. 
And then it serves twofold. You have something nice to give your employee to recognize them for their time, and you can prove to the state that you did go through and do your needed training on time. Mm -hmm. And do you think, like, again, I haven't um, looked into all the different methods that are available, but if there's, like, the online courses or if you have someone who comes into your facility to do the training, do they provide those certificates, or do you as the employer still need to create one? You know, and that's a... That's an arrangement you can make with your provider. I know when I do training, I offer to do the certificates for the employer. Um, mm-hmm. If you use the state website, they set it up. It'll issue a certificate. Um, they're easy enough for an employer to put together if they happen to have somebody putting the training together that, that doesn't do that type of thing. Um, but it's easy enough to put together. Oh, okay. And I mean, I don't know if the state has actually said too, if they will be auditing businesses or if it's just, you know, these are the regulations and just make sure you keep all your documents. And if that's the case, like how long do employers need to keep proof that yes, we did the training in 2020, you know, is it two years, three years, five years? What does the state say regarding that? So it's really hard to say what enforcement will look like this year because of COVID taking over. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, that might not be on the top of their list, but Mm -hmm. every company should have a records retention uh, guide. And I believe training documents like this are kept for um, five years at a minimum after someone leaves. But you should be keeping training documents for anybody that's employed for the length of their employment. Okay, perfect. Well, it's actually time for us to take another quick break. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Nicole Lear of Mindful HR Consulting on the Harassment Prevention Training. We'll be right back after a brief commercial break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to BizHelp for You. 
If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Nicole Lear of Mindful HR Consulting. Let's find out a bit more information on this harassment training. So, Nicole... I understand that employers can be sued for harassment, but what about the managers? Absolutely. So the way that the the law views a company is the managers are the company. So managers can be held personally liable if they have knowledge of something going on in the building and they can go to jail. Hmm. Not only um, can they experience fines, but they can actually end up going to jail for not um, participating in an investigation, not reporting things. Um, they are seen in the eyes of law as the company. Mm-hmm. So obviously the managers are then seen as the company, but if employees are doing this to other employees, it's the employer or the managers that are held responsible and not the other employees? Well, the perpetrator of sexual harassment can be personally sued. That was always the case. But what they added several years ago is that supervisors and managers can also be held liable. And so Mm -hmm. they can they could be personally sued and named. And so instead of, you know, um, an employee saying, I'm going to sue ABC company, I'm going to sue ABC company and Joe Smith, my supervisor, because he didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I see. So then can managers be sued for anything else besides harassment? Yeah, so up until January 1st of 2019, the answer was no. But as of that date, they can now be held liable for retaliation. And that's a key Mm. item that needs to be brought up in the training and emphasized that retaliating against somebody for reporting something, it's considered just as bad as the initial initial infraction, whatever it might be. And people can be held personally liable for retaliation. So can you give some examples? Because some people may not understand exactly what might fall under that, but what are the things that might be considered retaliation? Sure. So maybe in a, we, I'll give you a scenario where we have a manager that um, didn't report right away, but the incident came out and the manager got in trouble, so to speak. So what mm-hmm. they can do is they could treat that employee poorly, giving them poor evaluations, talking about them behind their back, talking them down. They could threaten them. It could be that egregious. Um, They can Mm -hmm. let them know that they're going to get them fired. Any of those kind of things, anything that makes the individual feel badly about reporting Mm -hmm. that's coming from that manager is going to be viewed as retaliation. And so Mm -hmm. it's very important that managers understand you treat it professionally. It's something that happened. And if you take any kind of reaction, this is how it's going to be viewed. Right. And it can even be something like giving them a schedule that's not as favorable or something, right? You know, it's it could be something like that too. Like people may not think about it as like, oh, well, we just changed, you know, their schedule. But if it's something that, you know, is obviously this is done more because, oh, I'm not happy with you because you <laughs> said something. Yeah, that would be retaliation absolutely. too, right? And, mm-hmm. and the individual is going to be more sensitive and take things potentially more personally. So if you've got a schedule change that's major and you're going to claim that it's not related, it's going to look related. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's a whole nother thing for people to really be concerned <laughs> about, you know, and 
really considering why am I making this change and can I show it was necessary because of what's going on in the business or, you know, the hours are changing for the business, but not just because, hmm, this person liked days, but now I'm going to make them work nights or something because I'm mad at them, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. So then what can the employers do to protect themselves from harassment claims? Well, what I suggest always is to train quickly when you hire someone. If it's important to you, you show it importance by putting it in the first two weeks of training for a manager. They have a lot Mm -hmm. on their plate when they start, but you set the stage and the tone by saying, this is something that we want to make sure that we handle appropriately, so we're training you on it now. And the same thing Mm -hmm. with your new hire hourly employees. If they're working for you six months before they get their training, that's a lot of time that things can go by and Mm -hmm. not have the training to know that, one, that shouldn't have happened. Two, I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know who to complain to. And, again, things escalate. So that's one of the best ways to protect yourself is to train early and often. Get your executives Mm -hmm. or your owners involved. Get them in the room so people can see that they support it as well. Um, and again, having that really clear complaint process that's easy for people to follow. Right. So can you then, since we're talking about, again, those processes, can you talk about best practices in terms of having this in place? Yeah. So um, one of the things that's important is when you have this in place is timely investigations. And mm-hmm. the process for an investigation is, Somebody comes to you and you should be thanking them for giving you the knowledge that something's going on that you're going to investigate for them. Um, you're going to do this investigation immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to circle back with the employee and you're going to tell them what happened. You're going to let them know what the conclusion was. You don't have to go into great detail about discipline that's happened for an individual, but you can let them know that corrective action's been taken, what day mm-hmm. they've talked to them, because you want to make sure you get back in touch with them right away so they know If somebody treats you differently shortly thereafter this, I want you to let me know immediately because that's what retaliation can look like. Um, Mm -hmm. We try try not to label behavior that we see that's happened. We label it as inappropriate. Once you start uh, slapping the word harassment on it and labeling it, it is really scary to everybody else, you know, and uh, it spreads like wildfire. So you keep your investigations as confidential as possible. But when we talk about the actions that have taken place, unless we're talking with their attorney, we call them inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned, you know, an investigation, do you recommend that the manager or the business owner do it themselves? Do you recommend they get a third party? Like, what would you recommend in this situation that they have a report from an employee? Yeah, it depends on the level of severity. Um a lot of times I will get a call from an employer um, and they'll want me to do an investigation. And what they say it's harassment. And what I find is people are treating people inappropriately. It's poor behavior. It's not harassment. Mm-hmm. And so I help them with that. Um, when you have something that needs to be investigated, I think it's a best practice to get a third party involved to do it. Um, the more severe, it might be something that I would go into an employer and investigate, and then I let the owner know, you know what, we're at the point that we're going to get your employment law attorney involved because it's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that needs to be happen, you know, taken that seriously. But there's mm-hmm. always differing levels. Um, that The owner could start an investigation, but again, getting a third party involved is the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, too, a lot of people just don't know the process of what an investigation 
would even look like. So they might not even know what they should be doing. So probably finding a third party to assist them would help them, especially if they're the owner trying to do like 25 things. Like most of us that are individual owners have all these different things on our plate. So making sure that this is handled quickly and effectively, it's probably a good idea to find someone like you who can actually do those investigations. Even, even if it's not like super high level, like major, you know, events, just doing that investigation would probably be a good idea. Absolutely. I mean, you can't be an expert in every part of um, running a business, right? And that's how you bring right. people to assist you. Um, it's just impossible to stay on top of everything. But when one of the key important parts that people forget in that investigation process, they handle mm-hmm. the issue, they discipline the employee, but they don't circle back to the person that complained to say, hey, I want you to know that I took care of your issue and I want you to come to me if anything comes up. That circling right. back is so key and checking back in with that employee two weeks later to say, Hey, how is it going? Has anything mm-hmm. else come up? Are you, how are you feeling about things? Those are the things that, again, reinforce the use of your policy with your employees when they say you take it seriously, you check in, and, and you show genuine care and concern for them. Right. And what if no one has actually complained, but then an employer is just thinking like, hmm, I'm not sure if, if that's really considered harassment or making someone feel uncomfortable. Like, what would you recommend that they do in that case? If there's really not a complaint, but they're not sure how that's being taken. Well, you know what? If something is giving them an inkling that something's going on that's not appropriate, people need to go with their gut and they need to mm-hmm. look into it further. And they can look into it further themselves. They, again, can bring in someone like myself. They can call their employment law attorney. They can ask another manager on their team, weigh in. But talking to somebody else and looking into it further is important. You don't want to ignore those gut reactions. Mm-hmm. Right. It's probably just a good idea to make sure that everything, because then it shows that you're actually trying to protect your employees too and get to the bottom of any situation because someone might be afraid to come forward and say something. But if you think something's going on and you're taking that step to even do that investigation ahead of time, then that will show that you're really, you know, you care about the employees and you want to have a safe environment for them. Agreed. Agreed. Being a role model for good behavior is, is just the way to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just so much for people to understand this whole concept. Like I said, really having this discussion today um, and letting people know that this harassment training is due, I think was so important with everything that's going on right now. People probably have even forgotten that this needs to be covered. Um, so I really wanted to talk about this, but there's so much that goes into this realm of harassment um, and the different sides of harassment and understanding, again, what as employers we should be doing uh, to protect our employees, what the employees should be aware of, you know, that they, you know, can come forward and not be afraid of retaliation. I think this topic was, you know, super important to really have that discussion today, too. So I am glad that we're talking about this. But are there any other tips or, you know, advice that you want to give to the employer to make sure that they're following all the, you know, requirements and even not, like you said, the, the legal of California, but their own policies, what they should be doing to protect their employees. Yeah, I mean, just creating a culture that's based on dignity and respect, as I had talked about a little bit earlier. You walk by and you see something that doesn't look good to you. You hear something that's mm-hmm. not quite right. Nobody's complaining, but you heard it. And you do something about right. it. That's where your culture begins. When you mm-hmm. put a stop to things going on, maybe they're not major things, but Little things that are inappropriate just pave the way for people thinking it's okay to repeat it. Right. 
Exactly. Well, I know that you probably have had a lot of experience over the years, even helping people with uh, these investigations or making sure everything, um, you know, has been done the way it should. So I appreciate your sharing this information. We're at the end of the show. So I would love for you to share uh, if you have an offer um, that you have for the audience. Yeah, so I am devoting the last two months of the year because we're coming up to the deadline uh, to harassment training, prevention training for our employers. And so if you mentioned that you heard um, about my uh, conversation with Candy here when you call, I'm offering a 10% discount on the training fee. And uh, like I said, um, that we're doing that for the rest of the year. Um, and you can get a hold of me if you don't mind me sharing my contact information, Candy. Yep, please do. Yeah, so you can reach me. I'll give you my phone number, my email, and website. So I'm at 310-913-0780. And the website of the company is mindfulhrconsultingservices.com. And my email address is quite similar to that. It's N-L-E-I-E-R is nlear at mindfulhrconsultingservices.com. Perfect. And if someone goes to your website, do you show the different types of trainings available or would they just reach out to you and say, I need sexual harassment training for California and, you know, what you have and you would have that conversation? Yeah, there's a form they can click on that they're going to input their personal information for the company, their how I can reach them, and there's a comment section. You just write in there what you're looking for, and I will give you a call. Perfect. Well, thank you, Nicole. This has been a great topic. I'm sure you know the listeners have found it informative, and I, I hope uh, that you had a great time being a guest today. Yes, thank you for very much for inviting me. I loved being able to share about this and, and bring some awareness for employers out there. I hope I've been able to help. Yeah, no, it was great. And I do want to thank the listeners also for tuning in to the show. I hope you found the topic interesting and that it did answer some questions about the harassment prevention training that's due um, and what you need to know. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Nicole at the information links that she shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is 10 key things buyers and investors look for when assessing your business. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.